Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, and I'm on the phone with Brian. And on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2010 horror comedy film Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, directed by Eli Craig and starring Tyler Labine, Alan Tudyk, Katrina Bowden, and Jesse Moss. In this film, a couple of buddies looking to fix up their recently purchased vacation home find themselves fighting to save their lives when a group of rowdy college kids mistake them for a group of zero killers. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion at the top of the episode, then we'll take a quick break, you'll hear some music, and then we'll come back, talk about the plot, hit the spoilers, and get into our review of the film. Brian, you and I just spent a weekend together in rural Wisconsin. Uh, I think it was my first time seeing this the full way through, but you'd seen this one, right? I had seen it before all the way through. Okay. Uh, and I thought you and I maybe had even talked about it in the past, but maybe I'm wrong. Probably uh, had. I, a lot of times I pretend I've seen something when I haven't. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, I can't remember, but I'd definitely seen it before. Um, but been- I was excited to watch it again. It had been maybe a decade or so. Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it only came out like 13 years ago. So, uh, yeah, you probably, did you see this one in theaters? It had like a limited theatrical release, I think. No, I did not. I think that theatrical release was, was pretty limited. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like it, uh, made much money. It just basically recovered its budget of the 5 million, but, um, it seems to have like quite a cult following. I think when you talk about like horror comedies, this one probably comes to the top of conversations. Yeah, for sure. And this was like more of a direct-to-video type situation. In fact, one of the uh, accolades it received was that it won Best Limited Release or Direct-to-Video Film at the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. Oh, cool. Um, It also won Best Screenplay at those awards. So I guess that accounts for limited theatrical releases as well, but I remember this being more of an online situation. Sure, a home video thing. I think it was even... On, I think it was on Netflix that I watched it way back when. I think so, too. I think I started watching this a long time ago on Netflix, but I, I don't remember finishing it. Um, and maybe it wasn't clear to me that this was a comedy when I was watching it, like, way back when. And so that, that's probably why I saw it. But, yeah, clearly it's, like, making fun of a, a genre <laughs> It's films. pretty clear, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, which is cool. Uh, we've talked about, like, a lot of hillbilly horror on here, which I'm not even sure, like, is that even still a okay term to use? Or, uh, I feel like we've come like way beyond hillbilly horror and like, um, yeah, these days, like, it's not likely you'll see something like a Hills of Eyes or, uh, that type of film again. What what do you think? Uh, I don't think we've gone beyond hillbilly horror. I think it's, it's still, if not, I mean, Texas Chainsaw 2 or Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2022, right? Yeah. Yeah. But even that that one counts. Yeah, but you know, even that one, I think uh, these newer films are taking a twist where it's more like the privilege versus the non-privilege or the haves and the have-nots, and less about like rural versus urban, more just about um, social class. And so it seems like purposefully a lot, a lot of films are more pushing towards that versus like uh, this this thing in the 2000s where it kind of demonized people in like the Appalachia. I think they're doing a little less demonizing in these movies, yeah. I don't know, Hillbilly Horror, it seems like it's, I don't know, part of me is like, it's, we're overthinking it. Like, th- these are movies that depict backwoods people as hillbillies, like, it's right. Hillbilly Horror. But, uh, you know, backwoods horror, Carol J. Clover's 
term urbanoia. Mm. I can't remember if she coined it or just used it heavily in her book. Uh, yeah. It's Backwoods thing- Horror is maybe the most obvious. Urbanoia has the problem of people being like, what? <laughs> Nobody knows what that is. Backwoods <laughs> yeah. Horror conveys what it is without using the word hillbilly. Sure, sure. I, I, I think the 2000s, we had a number of films in there. Um, and like in the last few years, like yeah, you men- mentioned the Texas Chainsaw remake, which I think took in a different direction. I know there's a wrong turn remake, which uh, I know you liked, right? And Yeah, right. And that one, it's a little bit different the way they handled that as well. Right, yeah. So yeah, I, I just wonder like if a movie comes out tomorrow and it, like if, if it's like Kills Have Eyes where people go into the woods and they're attacked by people who live there. Um, is that like a, like do you think Cora's still going to do that or is that too repetitive now? I think I think horror will still do it. I think there's probably still some coming out that we either haven't seen or just aren't thinking of off the top of our heads. But yeah, I don't think it's over. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think about like the menu. Um, oh man, I saw, I saw this one. I forgot to ask you about the other day. Uh, is it like this? It's quiet and loud or soft and quiet. Um, have you heard about this movie? Quiet and loud. I don't. I don't think so. No. <laughs> it's two. It's two adjectives like that. Uh, but yeah, they, they, there's all this like kind of like cultural collision causing horror. Um, and I, yeah, what else? I know we saw a few movies like this last year. But yeah, I just feel like it's gone beyond uh, just like hillbilly horror and like brought it into more uh, uh, pertinent, uh, more relevant stuff. I guess. Right. Yeah, I think we've had this conversation before. You're saying like the ready or nots of the world. Oh, yeah. It's more ready or not. It's more class, and it's not about. Yep, the hunt. The woods or the remote locations anymore. Like some of the themes from yep. hill, traditional hillbilly horror are now in, has yep. been taken to different settings. Exactly, exactly. The hunt, I think, is another great example. Of, sure. Uh, yeah, people kind of playing on this trope, but like put, pulling into a new setting. Um, so yeah, but, but this one comes out at an interesting time where, yeah, I think the genre was maybe peaking. And uh, this one comes out kind of trolling it a little bit or like kind of turning it on its head. Which, which is fun. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Eli Craig, who doesn't have like a huge filmography. He did uh, this, and then like seven, eight years later, did Little Evil. Um, not much else, though. Have, have you seen any of his other stuff? No, he doesn't have a whole lot to his name. Um, he directed a 2013 pilot for a TV series of Zombieland. Oh, wow. That never got picked up. Didn't get take, okay. Even this one, I think, uh, took a while for it to get picked up. It sounds like it was shelved maybe for a few years. And then uh, was released. Um, interesting though, because he you see he's the son of Sally Field. Yeah, that's wild. And uh, you see who he's married to? No, I didn't see that. The Yellow Power Ranger, Sasha Williams. Oh wow! <laughs> so he's got like random uh, connections across the industry yeah, everywhere. That's wild. Yep. Um, but pretty highly regarded. Eighty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't see the user score. Do you, do you have that by any chance? Eighty-five as well. Oh, wow. 85 on 85. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't see that every day. Yeah. A lot of times they're not even that close. Right, right. That's that's surprising, actually, for this film. Um, there was a sequel in the works for a number of years, but that seems to have stalled like by 2017 or so. Um, I didn't really recognize any of... Well, actually, I recognized Alan Tudyk and obviously Katrina Bowden from uh, 30 Rock, but did you recognize anyone else in this film? The way you're emphasizing two dick, it sounds like he's got two penises. <laughs> I know, that's a very unfortunate last name. <laughs> I, I thought it was like Tudyk or something like that, but uh, I don't know. 
Uh, I was trying I, to f- frantically figure out how it was pronounced yeah. uh, before we recorded, but sometimes it's hard to find. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I went to Wikipedia and, and looked it up, and like sometimes it like has the phonetic thing. Yeah, it just showed two pictures of penises <laughs> yeah, instead right. of the phonetic spelling. Next to each other, yeah, exactly. <laughs> two limp dicks next to each other. Yeah, I know, it's a terrible last name. That, uh, I okay, that, Alan yeah. Tudyk. Uh, he's got a really recognizable face. Yeah. Um... I think most people would probably recognize him as the pirate from Dodgeball. Oh, I recognized him from Arrested Development. I, I couldn't place him forever, and I was like, oh, yeah, he's the Anne's dad from oh, Arrested Development. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. He's also in Knocked Up. He's got, like, bit roles in a bunch of stuff, but really what he's, his, like, bread and butter lately is voiceover work for Disney's animated films. Oh, okay, okay. Like, he was in Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, Moana, Encanto, Whoa, many more. All the big I think, ones. I think a Star Wars movie or show or spinoff thing. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. Yeah. Big, a lot of voiceover work. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm surprised because uh, he's, he's like a funny dude and uh, he's got like a, he's a pretty good actor. I'm surprised he's kind of like behind the scenes now. Yeah, yeah, and then not even like zany stuff all the time. He was the robot in iRobot. Oh, yeah, right, right. That's yeah. a pretty serious role. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not particularly zany. Yep, yep. Um, well, yeah, what, what else? Any any other background on this one? Uh, Katrina Bowden, or Bowden, was in, she was in some other horror, Piranha 3D, Scary Movie 5. Oh, cool. Uh, I know her as Sari from 30 Rock. And she was voted Sexiest Woman Alive by Esquire magazine in 2011. Interesting. For 30 Rock or just in general? I mean, I don't think you get voted <laughs> sexiest for a thing you do. <laughs> it's not like circumstantial. To <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, that's interesting. I, yeah, I didn't know she had that much fame outside of 30 Rock, but yeah, good for her. Yeah, I didn't know that her like cultural imprint was that big. Yeah, not a household name. Um, have you seen her in Piranha 3D? Yes. We um, should review that movie at some point. It's bonkers. I'd like to. Yeah. It's actually the, it's the director from like Crawl, right? Uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Check that out. Alejandro something maybe. I forget his name. Ale- yeah. Aja. Aja. Yeah. Right. Is that right. him? I think so. Boy, I hope we're getting that right. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. There's there's not a whole lot. This is a U.S.-Canadian-India co-production. Did you say India? Yeah. What? Surprising, really? right? I think it's due to one of the producers named Deepak Nayar, Nayar uh-huh. who has uh, had a hand in a wide variety of movies over the past 30 years. Damn. Not yeah. a name I had heard, but you look at his credits and it's like, oh man, he's produced a lot of recognizable movies. Yeah. Huh. I totally missed that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see, man. I don't have a whole lot of, uh, background info on this. There's, there's not too much out there. Um, wanted to call out the editor, um, Bridget Durnford. She has tons of IMDb credits and I just, is this one thing I'll point out in my review. I just feel like it's easy not to think about how important editing is to comedy, but timing is so important to comedy and it feels like editing is time so closely tied with timing that. It's just so important to this movie, I feel like. so. Totally, totally. I actually think that's like what horror and comedy like overlap on the most is like that element of timing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's like what can make it work or make it fail. So uh, yeah, good, good call out on her. Agreed. Yeah, other accolades, we mentioned uh, Fangoria. Um, it also got the best first feature film at the Fantasia Film Festival. It won the Audience Award at SXSW. 
I think it's a likable movie that the critic and user score being the same really tells you something like it's an easy to like movie and it's a, a well-made movie. It's, it's pleasing everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Pretty, uh, yeah, not very, uh, controversial or, uh, yeah, pretty tolerated. Yeah. By it's, it's, yeah. It's hard to, it, it, there's not much unlikable about it. Yeah. Hard to be very like polar on this one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, that's all I, I have, really. I'm just going to hit the Ohio connection if you're ready. Let's do it. All right. Every movie we watch is connected to our home state of Ohio for us by our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in Northeast Ohio, swing by for some great beer, great food, great patio. And Alex says, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil is a black comedy horror film directed by Eli Craig about a pair of well-meaning hillbillies who are mistaken for killers by a group of clueless college students. It stars Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk as the title characters and Katrina Bowden as Allison, a beautiful level-headed psychology student. Bowden, maybe, is best known for her roles as Flo Fulton on the CBS daytime soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful and Sari on the NBC sitcom 30 Rock. During the first season of 30 Rock, there is an entire episode centered around the main character, Liz Lemon, when she learns her boyfriend, Floyd, wishes that he could move to his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) I love when Liz Lemon goes to Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah, she flees to the Cleve. Good one, Alex. Alex knows I love 30 Rock. Yeah, yeah. Great connection. Um, Uh, Hey, one one other thing I forgot to do was uh, shout out to some new patrons. Oh, go for it. And as a heads up, everybody, last week's episode, it was our five-year anniversary. We did a horror movie draft, but we also did an Ask Us Anything episode on Patreon while we ate increasingly spicy wings while we answered your questions in the style of the YouTube show Hot Ones. So if you want to go see that video, uh, just go to horrormovieclub.com, click on the big orange button for Patreon, and you can subscribe for a dollar a month. Uh, Anyway, thank you to our new patrons, Crystal R, Ryan F, Josh J, Corbin B, Star Angel, Ed M, Ken J, Emily H, Morgan A, Kathy M, John L, Stephen P, Adam V, Johnny D, and Sim Simpson. Thank you all very much. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks a lot for your support. Yeah, yeah, we hope you dug that video. Yeah. We had a, a lot time. of my sweat went into that video. <laughs> yeah, literally. Sweat and tears. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I'd kept all the uh, napkins on the sides. <laughs> I should have photographed my little pile of debris. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to do something else ridiculous with you in the future. Same. Um, well, great. Uh, with that, then, I guess we'll jump into the plot and uh, get into the spoilers. But before we do that, uh, you know, I, th- I think I just heard something outside. Uh, you mind if I uh, go check it out and give you a call back? Yeah, you'd better. Great. All right, I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, sorry about that. I'm back. Yeah, what what was that? Oh, man, it was so weird. You know, it's it's a, it a really nice day out there, and, uh, you know, everything was going pretty well so far. You know, water the grass today, everything. But uh, I think it's that time of year where suicide cults kick back in, so I've got a bunch of kids just kind of killing themselves on my property. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you you made that grass look a little too appealing. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I should have thought about the consequences here. 
so. uh, beautiful, beautiful place to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, this movie opens with uh, a scene of this reporter who's walking through this crime scene, uh, convinced that like there's something there. So we get kind of like a, a found footage feel to this while her and her cameraman explore this house. And we see her get attacked by this guy with the bloody face who then also kills uh, the cameraman. Um, what did you think about this opening? In- intriguing or just kind of in the middle? Intriguing because I didn't remember it at all and it's not the feel of the rest of the movie. The, it's funny because the the movie is spoofing that hillbilly horror subgenre that boomed in the aughts, like between 2000 and 2010. And then you get a little bit of a found footage spoof, which is kind of just starting its boom around this time too. Right. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, kind of a nice overlap. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think any of those like classic found footage films, do any of them start with like a, a post scene like that? Wasn't there a Texas Chainsaw Massacre potentially? Oh, maybe it was like the remake, I think, where uh, the, the one with Jessica Biel, didn't that one kind of start this way with like a forward looking shot of like a reporter wandering through a house before it jumps back in time? Yeah, it did. It oh, did. okay, okay. Yeah, I wonder Good if they were call. playing against that maybe. Right, possibly. Yeah. But you're right, yeah, it's such a different feel than the rest of this film, because then we jump back in time, and there's this group of college kids who are on their way to go camping. On the way, they stop for some beer at a local pit stop, and there they run into our two main characters, Tucker and Dale, who are two friends who are on their way to rehab this vacation home they bought. The college kids get spooked when Dale approaches them to say hello while he's carrying a scythe. Is that how you pronounce it? I think it's called a scythe. Oh, the sea is silent. I think the sea is silent. Oh, I okay. believe. Yeah, so he's carrying a scythe, and uh, at first he's like really nervous to go up and talk to them. But Tucker kind of says, "Hey, man, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, yeah, you, sh- you should just go take a shot at it." So he he approaches them with with the scythe and uh, tries to uh, make friendly talk, but they get scared and and run off. Uh, what do you think of this opening and these characters? I dig it. It's I feel like if you're somebody who's been paying attention to the structure of these backwoods horror movies over the past like decade before this one was released you can see them hitting some of the tropes and it's just kind of a fun little exercise like the gas station's called last chance gas we've talked about how there's a gas station in pretty much every hillbilly horror movie there's a creepy kid at the gas station and everything just like in deliverance cabin fever etc uh so that was fun to see, and you're just getting some humor. I think earlier on the way there, you see them like blankly scare- staring at them from their car, and it's just like <laughs> it's just such a fun setup of the the ominousness of Tucker and Dale to yeah. to these college kids. Yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, there's some really like um, interesting like things that are tucked away in here, like what uh, Tucker is ordering at this pit stop, like he's like ordering like nails and like hanging hooks and the scythe right so it's like all like this kind of creepy stuff uh but then yeah i I think this is our first scene at the gas station where we hear them kind of like having a conversation together and you kind of realize oh they're just like two average dudes um and like pretty harmless so yeah uh yeah great setting here you're right the gas station we also get a a harbinger right with the a cop kind of stops still and tucker and tells them that just like death, like there's nothing but like evil or death out there, right? Yeah, basically, like where they're going, nothing good can happen. Yeah, I'm surprised the harbinger is for those two, but I, I guess that's purposeful since this movie is getting to a point where it's going to turn the characters on each other, right? 
Yeah, really, it's just uh, an exercise in going back and forth between different perspectives and how events can be interpreted by different groups. Right, right, yeah, exactly. So uh, these kids, oh yeah, but, but yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I also love like the the dynamic between Dale and Tucker. Like we kind of get the sense that Dale looks up to Tucker a little bit, um, and Tucker's like kind of helping, you know, coach Dale or like kind of getting getting him to build up his self esteem. So it seems like a natural, good uh, relationship and dynamic between the two. Yeah, like a good classic buddy comedy structure right. at the same time. Right. Exactly. Uh, so meanwhile, the college kids arrive at their campsite. One of them, who's like this really preppy dude named Chad, and he's kind of like emerges as like the leader of this group or whatever. He tells this group the story about the Memorial Day massacre, and we get this flashback of this group of similar uh, well-to-do people hanging out in the woods, getting brutally attacked in the woods by some locals, and uh, it's it's kind of a Im- impressive like horror sequence in the middle of this comedy. Like it kind of stands out, right? Like I mean, that's that's like like you get some like decent gore in stuff too right in suspense yeah i mean it's the movie begins as a charming comedy and then yeah you see some pretty vicious gore in this flashback right yep i uh, love that pump the jam is playing in the background of this flashback oh. from 20 years ago so like <laughs> it's theoretically like around 1990 yeah. and they're all just hanging out listening to pump pump the jam <laughs> yeah 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 good catch I, I, I think i missed that song uh Great. Well, then uh, that night, Dale and Tucker are night fishing, um, and they see the college, the group of college kids, um, yeah, jumping and swimming around in the lake. One of the kids, her name is Allie. Um, she slips and falls into the lake when she sees Tucker and Dale. And when she doesn't come up, they go to rescue her. They try to call attention to the other college kids by saying, "Hey, we've got your friend." <laughs> but they perceive this as a threat, uh, and they run away really quick. So uh, th- this felt pretty hilarious. Like, uh, it, like it didn't seem like a stretch or anything. Like that's what you'd say if you got someone out of the water. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, we got your friend. Yeah, yeah it's funny. <laughs> yeah, very believable, right? It's just so simple, but so clever at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Tucker and Dale take Allie back to their place since her friends ran off. And the next morning she wakes up, and after being afraid at first, she realizes that these two are harmless. Her and Dale start to build a a friendship, and she opens up to him, and they start playing some board games. Meanwhile, her friends, who are back at the camp, are convinced that Allie has been kidnapped by these two hillbillies, and they're plotting how to attack uh, them and help rescue her. So one of them uh, approaches the cabin, um, but his timing is off because at the same moment, Tucker is outside with a chainsaw, and he's sawing through a piece of log that, unknown to him, has this beehive in it. So he cuts into the beehive and suddenly he gets attacked by a swarm of bees. So Tucker's running through the woods and swinging at the bees with his chainsaw. The kids see Tucker running wildly uh, with the chainsaw and swinging it around. And so they get really scared and they start to run off. And one of them accidentally impales himself on a tree and dies. Uh, what do you think of this sequence? I mean, it sounds so dumb, but it's really funny. It's just executed really well. And here's another moment where the editing is just really good and really sells the moment. They're just kind of running next to each other, both confused about what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it looks it looks really good. It plays out really well. Like you get like that uh, him swinging it kind of like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like wildly swinging it around. But then he's like got that like comical look on his face, like he's running to, and and yeah, that the other guy's like just scared shitless. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's just I mean the, the genius of him being in like a physical comedy movie and and the college kids being in a horror movie just yeah it seems like um, something that would get old. They, they milk it for humor a lot. But they have so many other sources of comedy that it, it keeps this from getting old. Like Tucker and Dale just are funny characters. Their yeah. interactions have their own brand of humor. They get to this vacation house and it seems to be like it was a serial killer's like getaway uh, yeah. at some point. And so there's these newspaper clippings on the wall about like bodies found. It's the typical serial killer wall with the newspaper clippings. But they get in and they're like, hey, a coupon that never expires. <laughs> like they see it on one of the newspapers. Yeah. <laughs> they're Three just so, dogs so adorably <laughs> clueless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's many different sources of laughs. Their, their banter is like, yeah, one of the strong points of this film. And uh, a, lot, a lot of like good jokes embedded in there throughout the way. Yeah. That's good. And then you have action sequences like this that are played for like great effect. Mm-hmm. Um, the college kids regroup and they decide to make another attack. This time, one of them trips and over Tucker and falls into the wood chipper, and Tucker tries to pull him out, but uh, just ends up pulling the legs out. Another one tries to attack Dale in the woods, but ends up tripping and impaling himself on a rod. Uh, Tucker and Dale start freaking out with all these kids who are now killing themselves, and uh, they believe they're in the middle of some kind of suicide cult where people are just coming to their property and killing themselves. Um the kids are, as you mentioned, like kind of thinking they're like in this uh, horror film and trying to survive. And they spot this cop along the road that we'd seen earlier. And they bring the cop to Dale and Tucker's house. Uh, this cop finds the dead bodies. And Tucker and Dale mention that they have Allie inside. And they're trying to be, you know, very transparent. But they know like they're in some hot water here. So they're pretty nervous. The cop doesn't really, you know, buy their innocence here. And follows them into the cabin cautiously, but is accidentally killed by this loose beam that stabs him in the head that we had kind of seen earlier uh, in this house that they're renovating. The kids are in the car and they're freaking out. One of them grabs the policeman's gun and tries to shoot Dylan Tucker, but accidentally shoots himself in the head. The kids then, uh, oh, grab the gun and start shooting at Dylan Tucker and they take Dale's dog hostage. Tucker tries to rescue the dog, but he gets abducted by the kids. And then these kids like hang him from a tree and torture him by cutting his fingers off and leaving them for Dale to find. Uh, and when Dale sees it, he goes, they cut off his bowling <laughs> yeah, fingers. Yeah, not the bowling fingers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Can I go backwards to note some jokes that oh, were yeah. in there that sure. I really liked? Yep. So in that scene where the college kids like bombard, like bum rush them, and like the wood chipper death and he falls on that like rod or shovel or whatever they're like I can't remember what Dale is digging in the yard but Allie's like hey like I'll help you like I grew up on a farm yeah and the, the kids are watching and they go that sick fuck is making her dig her own grave <laughs> yeah I think it was like an outhouse hole or something yeah I think but, that's what it was You're yeah right. those, those are, yeah uh, and then Tucker after he like steps aside and the kid who tries to tackle him goes into the wood chipper. Like half his body in the, is in the wood chipper <laughs> and blood is spewing everywhere. And Tucker goes, are you okay? Yeah. 
just the the comedic timing there was priceless. It really got me. Yeah, yeah. I think their reactions, like the chaos that's happening around them, is is really fun to see. It's so charming and and funny. And then when they realize, they're like, "It's a suicide pact. Hide all the sharp objects." And they start <laughs> hiding the sharp stuff in the the cabin. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Even uh, here where uh, they have Tucker hanging upside down. Tucker's like, what the hell is wrong with you kids? Like, just their whole like demeanor towards these kids and like uh, how yeah. bewildered they are by this uh, is kind of fun. And then, and then, what do you think of uh, this guy, Chad, and like how like intense he is? I love how intense Chad is because it feels like he's the one who's really like forcing what is the theme of the serious hillbilly horror movies. Like, this is all about survival. Like, don't you see? It's us against them. Like, right. you know, that is like the vibe of Deliverance. That what That's what makes that a deeper movie than just an outdoor adventure film. But it's it just like it's hitting the tropes even farther that he's not only like buying into it, but like is so hard into it when he's so wrong. Like yeah. he's, he's so confident in his con- convictions about that he's acting correctly He's so sure he's in the right, and he's got totally incomplete information. Right. Uh, and that plays into the theme of this movie, which is kind of Allie's little sentence where she's like, I-, I believe all the world's problems come down to a lack of communication. Right, right. Which, yeah, I, I, I think part of that, like, uh, this movie is like a big misunderstanding, obviously, between the two groups. But then, uh, you're right, like, Chad's uh, character, like, he kind of takes a turn in this movie where, like, he's beyond, like, reason, and, like, uh, he's got his own motivations where yeah he is like the agency of like evil here right and, and right it's, it's interesting because that is the like it's it's all about a lack of communication is both the underlying theme and the moral of the story and it's also the core comedic conceit so it's yeah. just kind of fun how that works yeah it's like the engine that drives the movie on many levels right yeah exactly exactly and uh yeah it's pretty and then dale trying to communicate with Allie like romantically right yeah, it was, it was hard uh, for me to buy into, like, that romance and, like, how quickly, like, him and Allie hit it off. Um, she's, like, pretty taken by him pretty quickly, which, uh, yeah, kind of surprised me. Did that come out of nowhere for you, too? I mean, it's, uh, you can kind of see the writing on the wall with the the type of movie it is. Sure, sure. Are you implying that he's not 2011's Sexiest <laughs> Man Alive? I don't know if he was. What are you trying to say? <laughs> Maybe a few years off on that one. Yeah. Uh, what? Um, oh, yeah. But like talk, talking about this dynamic. Uh, so, yeah, Chad is obviously like this uh, person like we all kind of hate and, and like don't like. And he's like coming after Dale and Tucker. The friends like uh, as the audience are we're not scared for them. I, I think we're laughing at them. Right. But they're obviously really scared in the film. And as the audience are kind of grounded in Dale and Tucker. Right. Right, yeah. Okay. They are not... I mean, Chad is the villain of the film. Yeah. The other kids are just kind of... <laughs> just they, there to die comedically. Yeah, they fall into this gray area where, like, you're not really scared for them, even though they're, like, scared. But they're just, like, there for the body count, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is a horror comedy because it's based in horror tropes, and it's very gory, but there's nothing scary about this right. movie. Right, okay, okay, yep. So, uh, yeah, they've got Tucker. They cut off his bowling fingers, uh, and Dale finds them. He Dale goes to find Tucker. While he does, the other college friends come to their house, and they find Allie, and Allie tries to explain to them that 
this is all some big understanding, uh, but Chad refuses to believe this. So we learn early in this film that Allie uh, is studying like therapy. So the, it comes into play here where she makes Chad and Dale kind of sit down and have a conversation over some tea. Uh, Chad explains how his mother was one of the victims in the Memorial Day massacre that we saw earlier, and since then has always had this kind of vendetta towards uh, hillbillies. Dale responds by kind of like empathizing with Chad, but also kind of like saying like, hey man, I was six years old when that happened, like that wasn't me, but Chad refuses to not hold them accountable, and obviously he's kind of blinded by his hate here. Um, I thought this like was a real kind of strong theme or message of the film, I think, to what you were just talking about as well. It's like this misunderstanding and stereotyping, right? Right. Prejudice, stereotyping, for sure. Right. And it's the genius of this movie, too, is that it's spoofing the hillbilly horror genre, but then also like flipping the theme on its head of like, and it wasn't even a theme back then. It was just something those movies did that was kind of problematic and they didn't really care like depicting Appalachian communities it's like these are backwoods these are weird people who are just wrong and inbred and evil and killers and this movie is all about like hey don't don't judge a book by its cover exactly yeah which uh yeah it's it's very interesting I mean the just that uh I don't know how original that is I mean we saw this in like Beauty and the Beast um there's like a bunch of movies that like touch on race that are about like yeah don't stereotype and stuff uh so yeah it's cool to see it applied here to like a a very like popular horror uh, genre but uh it's not like the most original thing to do is it i think i've made this argument before on the show if you take enough unoriginal things and weave them together in an original way all of a sudden it's pretty original ah yeah yeah okay so i mean this movie takes typical buddy buddy comedy stuff it takes typical rom-com t- stuff yeah it takes the backwards horror subgenre and does all of those beats but as a spoof and when you weave them all together along with a lesson that's like flies in the face of some other backwards horror movies it becomes pretty clever and pretty original sure there yeah. is no other movie yeah like tucker and dale that i'm aware of that's true, yeah. It is It is elements that we've seen in other places, but this is unique in bringing it all together in one kind it's, of like comedic horror film. Yeah, and it's kind of like in between a spoof and a meta comedy. Like, right. scary movie, one, two, three, four, five, however many they are, the scary movie films are spoofs. This is a spoof, but it's also like relying on everyone's knowledge, on the viewer's knowledge of like these tropes of these movies and hey it's actually hitting them just like scream hits them as a perfect example of a meta yeah horror film horror comedy but it, it's not like scream in that scream's actually a slasher this right. actually isn't a backwards horror movie but to the kids it is like yeah. so it's really interesting there it, it, it's something in between a spoof and a, a meta comedy sure yeah yeah that, that's really cool how it's doing that Something pretty unique. Um, yeah, so you were totally wrong. That's okay. basically what you just said. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. That's a good point. Uh, so the friends of the college kids uh, break in while these guys are like sitting at the table, and they attack again, 
but this time they end up killing uh, another one of their friends by accident and then uh, Chad throws this lantern at Dylan Tucker but misses and accidentally lights one of his friends on fire who ends up blowing up the entire vacation home and killing the last remaining uh, other friend that was there so Tucker, Dale, and Allie barely escape this and Chad emerges from the wreck and uh, the three of them try to escape from Chad in a truck but they run into a tree when Dale comes to, Chad has kidnapped Allie, and him and Tucker have this heart-to-heart where Tucker helps Dale build his self-esteem. That seems to be a running theme through this is, like, Tucker telling Dale that, like, he's worth it or, like, he shouldn't be, like, down on himself or he's, like, got to think higher of himself, which I, I really like that part. What, what did you think? I agree. I like it. I mean, there is uh, there are characters here with flaws and stuff that they're working through, and Tucker and Dale's relationship is good, but has its like rocky parts, and they work through some of that stuff throughout the course of the film. Attention is paid. I mean, like, and going back to that last debate, even though some of these arcs aren't very ori- original, we've seen them all before. You put it all together, you get a a product that's bigger than the sum of its parts, in my sure. opinion. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So, Dale goes to rescue Allie, and he finds her in this lumber house tied to this woodcutter. Chad, at this point, has just gone mad, and he's planning to kill them both, but Dale and him have this battle. As Dale and Allie are trying to escape, they find a news article, which has this picture of the killer from the Memorial Day Massacre, and they see this resemblance, and they realize that he's actually Chad's father. So now, when Chad attacks them, they show this to Chad, and Chad realizes that he's half hillbilly, but he can't kind of stomach this and gets ready to kill the both of them. But Dale manages to stop him by exposing him to this ingredient that's found in chamomile tea that Chad is allergic to, and he had revealed that earlier. So Chad falls out the window. Um, Dale tries to tell Allie, like, it's going to be okay, we'll just give him the inhaler. But then they see that he's kind of fallen supposedly to his death. Um, and then later a reporter arrives and we realize it's, this is from the opening scene where the reporter comes in and gets attacked by Chad. So he's supposedly still alive. What do you think on this reveal and climax and, uh, Chad gone evil here? I think, I think that was the only way to end it with Chad really truly going bonkers. And I like the touch of him actually being the thing he thinks he hates. Um, a hillbilly, essentially. Yeah. Uh, for lack of a better word. Sorry, I keep using it. I don't even know if it's problematic or not. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so, so common. Um, and I feel like it, we're using it in the context of like, oh, these movies are made to like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. But um, it was got, got kind of dark, though, that he was like the child of rape. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Like his mom was held captive by this serial killer and. And raped her, and that's who his dad is, and he never knew. Yeah. So did his mom? His mom died, right? In the I believe so. No, I mean she lived because she had to give birth to him nine months later. Oh yeah, right, um, right. But I feel like maybe she died when she was a little older of something unrelated. I can't quite remember. Or maybe oh, okay. she's still around. Got it. And yeah, she had like told him like his dad was out of the picture, but now he realizes his dad was the this dude. I think he th- well. I think she was captured with her boyfriend or husband or whatever. Oh. 
he died, and that's who he always thought his dad was. Oh, I see, I see. A, a guy who died during the massacre. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I loved this uh, twist on this story, and uh, seeing, like, Chad have to, like, kind of recognize, like, the thing he's been out there hating this whole time is, like, a uh, part of him. Kind of kind of funny and, and dark at the same time. Yeah, for sure. So then the movie ends with this heartfelt scene of Dale visiting Tucker at the hospital, uh, and revealing to Tucker that him and Allie are going on a bowling date. Uh, they go on this date, things go well for the two of them, and they share a kiss. But the movie ends with uh, some chaos in the background when one of Dale's friends, who's encouraged by Dale and Allie's relationship, approaches a group of co-eds at the bowling alley, and some mayhem ensues there with Dale and Allie uh d- yeah, kind of uh, f- deciding to focus on each other versus get involved in that mess. Um, yeah, what was going on back there? <laughs> Did the Wikipedia plot synopsis expand on that? I know we were both confused by what we were seeing uh, in the you background. Know, I didn't. I didn't read it on Wikipedia. I should check. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I I rewatched that ending again, and yeah, it looks like like someone's getting punched in the background, and then that dude is like helping like pick up someone's body. So maybe someone sw- uh, yeah took a swing and missed. That was one part where I thought the editing was not good or i just totally did not pick up what the movie was trying to put yeah yeah i feel like we need to see a little bit more to know exactly what was going on back there yeah i'm not sure if we needed something like what what was the point like with whatever happened was it like just that oh uh dale and tucker like no or tucker knows better or dale knows better now not to like get involved uh in drama anymore i thought they were just uh totally like didn't even know it was going on behind them. I thought they were completely unaware of what was happening behind them. Oh, no, they, they take a look, and, like, uh, I think Allie's like, oh, should we go help? And uh, Dale's like, no, let's let's just keep making out or something. Mm, okay, so gotcha. I, I don't know if the point was, like, oh, now, uh, yeah, the, oh, uh, according to Wikipedia, as they confess their feelings to each other, the hillbilly accidentally knocks out a girl in the background, starting a new misunderstanding. <laughs> So it's like, oh, okay. So the movie's like starting again with a new cast of characters. I guess, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's gotcha. a setup for the sequel or something. Sure, um, sure. But yeah, I, I guess it ends on a comedic note there. Or maybe he does it on purpose, thinking this is how Dale <laughs> got the girl. Yeah, yeah. You just knock him out. <laughs> that usually works. Eight, then take care of him after. Yeah. Yeah, eight times out of ten. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. What did you think of this film? How did it hold up on the rewatch? I think it holds up great. I liked it even more this time. Uh, I think the whole two perspectives thing is just really interesting. Commentary on human nature like we discussed and prejudice. But they just milk it for such humor as well. Like They squeeze so much out of it without it feeling repetitive. Uh, I think it's great. I, I think it's a really good example of a comedy movie. And it's got multiple sources of humor. The kids think they're killer hillbillies. That's funny. The guys think that, that these kids have a suicide pack. That's funny. And Dale doesn't think he's good enough, but he's also super dopey and just does dumb stuff that's funny. And the guys are well-meaning and folksy even in dire situations. Like after Tucker gets his fingers cut off, he's like, those kids have some serious issues. <laughs> yeah. There's been all the, the horror tropes mine for humor. It's just like, it's got so many layers and it's covered so many of its comedic bases that it doesn't get old. And and if you don't think one thing's funny, you're going to think another thing is funny. Not many of the jokes fail. Right. 
I agree. I agree. And I, I think that comes down to, again, like the editing that you mentioned, like a, a, amazing, like really funny writing and uh, the performances of these two guys as Tucker and Dale, uh, I think play into that in a big way. Like you really buy into their friendship and their dynamic and like they're kind of like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? Like just like their bewilderment of like the situation they're finding themselves in. It's doesn't like stop being funny at all throughout the film. No. No, it doesn't. And and, yeah. and think they could have gotten lazy and not tried to get humor anywhere else or not done yeah. anything else with the movie. But I think giving us those deeper themes, even though some of them are a bit played out and the whole underdog gets the girl thing played out, but yeah. it really helps keep the movie grounded and make you feel like it's going somewhere. I really think a comedy without a great story just doesn't have the, like the shelf life or the impact of a movie like this that really tries to have other things going on other than the laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that when you set up a more fleshed out story like that, you work to develop the characters, the humorous elements just come naturally instead of it being like, oh man, they're really trying hard to, to make sure there's a joke in the script every oh, two to yeah. five minutes. Like one-liners here and there, yeah. Yeah, but instead... It's just, it flows naturally. It's like, right. I mean, I'm not saying it was easy to write the script once you set up all this this stuff, but if you set up the fact that, okay, Tucker and Dale are, are like really well-meaning and folksy and they don't really have like a mean boat in their body, then you can be like, it totally makes sense that Tucker, after this dude dives headfirst into the wood chipper, would ask, are you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you yeah. don't have to work as hard for that joke. The audience doesn't have to work as hard to buy into it. It just flows so naturally. Mm-hmm. And it's even funnier because yep. that's Tucker and Dale. Yeah, yeah, right. It's 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 more. I, I think it's relying more on like a situational comedy than like uh, one-liners or jokes or puns or anything like that, which uh, makes it really work well. Yeah, it is. It's, it's situational comedy at, at its finest. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. There's something really unique here that uh, we haven't seen before in in horror. And uh, yeah, the the character setups really open up the the jokes here i think one area where i struggle though is like there's so many college kids and like really only two of them are true characters um so a lot of them i think are just there for body count most of them die by like tripping and like falling on things uh so i, I can't tell if that's a weakness right? i know they're like more utility than uh meaning but um yeah is do you think that could have been done any better hmm I don't know. I like that they aren't that they aren't really characters. I don't think we need them to be. Um, yeah, maybe I don't know if their deaths get monotonous or not. Like you've got multiple people falling and getting <laughs> impaled through their stomachs. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Or just like tripping and dying. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe there could have been some a slight increase on the creativity on a couple of the deaths. Deaths. I, yeah. I oh. think my biggest beef with the college kids is that. Um, you know, as a counterpoint to everything I had just said, there are times when we're just with them that they do try to put in some jokes that feel forced mm. and don't come naturally. And maybe it's to what you just said. Maybe it's because they aren't really fleshed out characters, so right. everything feels forced. But yeah. on the way to their vacation, one of them is like, oh, no, we forgot to bring the beer. And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh, that feels like it's from another movie. Exactly. or is so cliche that it's not funny. So there were a few jokes like that with them where they yeah. weren't landing. Uh, 
They, they shouldn't have even tried with those jokes with those kids. Sure. I You know, I, I think uh, anytime you had a shot with just the kids, that felt like a scene from another movie where, like, they were just supposed to act like teenagers in another film that are, like, scared of, like, the situation there and, and kind of, like, making fun of, like, the typical things they say or do. Uh, like, yeah, main characters in, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or other films like that. Yeah, and I think that when they're... We know so little about them that their main source of humor should be their perspective on Tucker and Dale. So right. when we say they say things like that sick fuck's making her dig her own grave, yeah, hilarious. It flows naturally in the movie. <laughs> but if it's like, oh, no, someone forgot the beer, it's like, well, well these aren't our our yeah. characters. Like, it, Let's not like bother mining yeah. them for jokes. Exactly, yeah. It feels kind of like a waste in a stretch. Uh, there's like one like quick snippet of a dialogue piece at one part where, like where one guy's like oh it opens on like them sitting around like the camp and he's like oh if you have a dream of sucking a dick does that make you gay or something and it's just like you don't know these characters well enough to like find like any of this like that funny or anything agreed yeah yeah those are the only times where the movie has jokes that don't land at all right. for me right and and do feel forced yep yeah a little bit of that the other issue i think with the college kids is uh the relationship uh so i guess like all of them die right except ali but i can't she never seems like too and chad s- uh and oh yeah and chad yeah good point she never seems too like heartbroken that like this group of friends that she's come out into uh the wilderness with on a camping trip are like just like dying in like masses and like yeah she doesn't really seem bothered by it at all does she no she doesn't and i just don't think the movie has the capacity for that or wants to take the time to bother with that i don't think it should i I think that would muddle the focus and just make things a bit more messy Mm. um plot wise yeah i I think it's fine that she doesn't really mourn them (laughs) at all yeah Uh, if it wasn't the comedy then that would be one thing um yeah i don't know so many horror movies have that flaw too so i'm not giving it a a pass in other horror movies but in this one since it's a comedy right i give it a pass yeah it's hard for her to be like too hard about it and then like still be funny like oh my friends died but uh yeah yeah that's that's a a challenge line eh? that that, that's one thing that I, i feel like was hard in this film like uh sometimes i wasn't sure like is there a better way to sense the fear or horror that these kids are feeling from their perspective, um, could, could that have been amped up more, but then also kept the comedic di- dynamic of being uh, grounded in Dale and Tucker? And like, like, could you have had both of those, or do you think like that would have taken away f- from the other? I think, yeah, I think it's hard to amp up the scares when you know Tucker and Dale are Tucker and Dale. Sure, yeah. So I don't think it should have tried any harder than it did, Other aside from the fact that it mimicked the way those would play out in a typical horror movie. Yep. I don't think it should have tried to convey fear or put you in the college kids' shoes because they weren't. Yeah, they weren't the the perspective. They weren't the main characters. Got it. Uh, alternatively, what if it made uh, Dill and Tucker's perspective scarier? Like all these kids coming at them, and like it made that like more suspenseful versus like played for comedy. Do you think that would have been an improvement or messed with the tone of the film too much? Again, mess with the tone. I, I think if you try to, it's just not. That's just not the movie's <laughs> angle. That's, yeah, that's not the tone. And I think if you try to get scarier, you'd 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 pay elsewhere. Okay, 
All right, you're probably. Do right. you think? Uh, do you think? Are you playing devil's advocate, or is that what you think? Uh, yeah, you would have liked to have seen it scarier. A part of me feels I can't tell if it's like the same movie, don't like that, or if like there's a new, a different movie out there where uh, it's played a little bit more serious. Because I, I think you can make a very scary movie with the same plot, um, and I'm just wondering if there's like a more optimal balance of like a scary slasher with like that comedic element where, yeah, the the main characters are like the ones who are usually the villains. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, it's hard to imagine like uh, both in the same film. Yeah, that, that's tough. Um, last question I had for you: Ali's background uh, is brought up that she's studying therapy, and then uh, she kind of mentions like, yeah, what you said earlier that um, you know a lot of problems come down to misunderstandings. Do you think this was being played for irony? Like, was was that supposed to be like she? thinks like she knows how to solve like d- you know misunderstandings between people but um at the same time she's like she sucks at it or or w- were they like being real like that's like that's why she's able to see past like dylan T- tucker's like exterior the stereotypes and get into them i think they're being real i think that's part of why she can see dale for who he is and that's just another way to hammer home the theme of oh man yeah everyone's just <laughs> on the wrong page about each other ah that's cheesy man because, uh, like, what is this, like, a, a Disney film or something where we're trying to, like, learn a lesson about stereotyping? I mean, I thought they were kind of making fun of her because, like, she's like, uh, oh, it's all about, like, misunderstanding people. And then he, like, she's, like, leaning back in her chair and he's like, no, no, don't do that. And he, she, like, thinks he's talking about her career. So I thought it was kind of, like, making fun of the fact that, like, she thinks uh, she knows how to, like, solve human problems. Uh, but maybe she's uh, just as blind, perhaps. I feel like our romantic lead shouldn't be made fun of. Ah, it's a comedy. It, Everyone needs to be made fun of. I, yeah, but I think a good comedy, some of my favorite comedies have heart. Uh, and, and yeah, they are cheesy. Tommy Boy's cheesy. <laughs> yeah. I bring up Tommy Boy a lot uh, as an example of comedy. <laughs> the gold on this. standard of Brian's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would think it's pretty up there. but It's up there, yeah. I, I think you need to have heart. I think you can err on the side of cheesiness. I'm a broken record with that. I'd rather them err on the side of cheesy than not have enough enough emotional backbone so mm. I- i'm cool with that i yeah. hear what you're saying yeah but i'm cool with it yeah i mean i prefer comedies to have like no heart and just go after everyone and then you can still like find some things likable about people but uh yeah i, th- I thought that would have been good if they'd played that for humor like uh here's this person who thinks they know how to like see into the human soul but she also sucks yeah you know and when alex called this a black comedy that's what i think of when i think black comedy like not really much heart it's just like super dark in tone. Sure. Doesn't seem to actually care about anybody. So this doesn't feel like a black comedy to me. Maybe it gets that moniker because of how gory it is. Probably. Uh, yeah. But I, f- I feel like it's a more of a heartwarming story than anything. Yeah. I mean, any comedy where like you have so many people dying, I imagine it's probably a dark black comedy. Yeah. So some sort of like adjective like dark or black might need to. Yeah. I just think horror comedy accomplishes that. I don't sure. think you need dark or black don't need to put a color on it in yeah. front of that yeah that's fair no offense to alex i i imagine it's probably called yeah a black yeah. comedy elsewhere on the web i think so yep all right cool well anything else you want to call it before we jump to the rating i'm ready to jump all right well how many cutoff bowling fingers would you give this one i give this 4.5 cutoff bowling fingers i think it's primary appeal maybe it's comedic deconstruction of the typical backwards horror film but its charming leads and attention to the human elements of the story make it one of the best horror comedies of all time, Ashvin. Nice, nice. That's how I what do there. you think? 
Uh, I give it, you know, after watching it, I give it four and a half. But I, I think, uh, yeah, thinking about it, going through the notes, uh, I, I came down a little bit. So I'm at four bowling fingers out of five. Uh, agree with you. I think this was hilarious writing, really great performances, one of the best horror comedies that that I've seen. Great action sequences. Um, the only downside uh, that I thought was, um, yeah, something. Uh, with the college kids where yeah maybe there's a bit of repetition where you know uh, we kind of know how they're all going to die or like they all kind of die in a very similar way and then yeah the lack of connection between Allie and like her supposed friends got a little hard to believe but at the end of the day I guess this is kind of like a um, yeah an extreme like ridiculous movie which you're not supposed to hold to like any great accountability or anything or reality right yeah, I mean, that's debatable. And what aspects do you hold yeah. it accountable for? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard to know. And I, I think a lot of people love this movie. I think with comedies, sometimes things just don't land for people for whatever reason. So sure. there might be a lot of people, a small majority, small majority? I mean, a minority of people who are like, yeah, all your beefs are like, yeah, I totally felt that way. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it'd be Comedy curious. hits different for different people. For sure, yeah. I'm actually surprised that we've both found this uh, fairly funny. Like, usually, I think we've got a very different sense of humor. I know. I Actually, I was surprised to hear 4.5 come out of your mouth originally, just because you had just finished up, it sounded like, giving some pretty serious criticisms of it. <laughs> no, man, it, it's, it's a fun one. But watch, you talked yourself back down to a four. Yeah, I did come down to a four. But it, it is my kind of humor where it's like more situational, less about like one-liners. I, I'd put it up there with like Shaun of the Dead where it's just really funny characters in like a funny situation and like kind of uh, playing the situation for the, the comedy it deserves to be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue it shouldn't be considered for any top ten list of uh, horror comedies. Right. That'd be a good episode, top yep. ten horror comedies someday. Oh, uh, yeah. Good idea. That's a good one. Probably need to cover a few more of them first. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we've hit one of these. Slithers on my mind. Oh. Mike L. really wants us to cover that, and I do want to get to that soon. Yeah. Have you seen you that seen one? You've seen that one? Uh, have we seen that one? <laughs> I've seen it. Oh. Uh, I saw it before you and I were watching horror movies together. Okay. I feel like I've seen it, but I also thought I had seen this one, and I hadn't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll check it out soon. Sounds good. All right, anything else? I should wrap this up. Let's wrap it up. Okay, that's going to be it for our discussion on Tucker and Dale versus Evil. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help other people find our show, and we always welcome the feedback. If you want to join in the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Instagram in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord where you can find us and other horror fans talking about horror films and other topics. You can find that link on our website. Our Patreon link is also on our website in case you want to support the show and access some bonus content. Our logo is by Amy Mae Popart. You can find her and some cool merchandise for our show on Etsy.com. And until next time... If you find yourself getting ready to talk to a beautiful stranger, consider putting down the sky, the scythe. Whatever it is, put it down. <laughs> put it down <laughs> before approaching them, uh, just to make sure you can make a, a better first impression. I usually, yeah. I, I try to remind myself to do that to you. Nothing sharp in hand. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it leaves a bad impression in people's minds. 